0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to My Life as a Montage, the show where we talk about music and how it fits in our lives. I'm Keith Campbell, joined, as always, by Ian Shaker. here.
1: Ian, how are you today? I am wonderful. Uh, You've probably heard me mention my kitchen a couple of times on this podcast. Of course. Yes, my kitchen remodel is almost done, so you'll hear a much brighter, sunnier voice from me uh, in future uh, episodes, hopefully.
0: Hooray and huzzah so for for your montage this week we are going ever forward into the future and we're going back to a song that is probably well known by the general public for being part of a major motion picture comedy
1: yep uh so yeah we're gonna be talking about uh vampire weekend and uh the first big song they had uh a punk which is uh short and bright and a lot of fun and has some ska and has some world music and uh, I didn't know it before I didn't know them, really, before I saw them live. But we will talk more about that in a bit.
0: Absolutely. So this was the second p- single from their self-titled debut album, Vampire Weekend, known in certain music nerd c- circles as the CDR, because it was kind of a refreshed version of the little demo CDR that they passed around when they were playing uh, Columbia uh, University uh, house parties. Um, they actually made their national t v debut playing this song. They played it on the letterman show uh it's their highest charting single it reached um it reached ninety one on the u s pop one hundred uh um billboard charts twenty uh, third on the u s adult alternative songs and it actually reached uh fifty five on the u k singles
1: yeah it was a, it was definitely a song that uh that made its way around and was easy to see why yeah. Uh Why people got into it so uh, so much?
0: And of course, I mentioned it being part of the major major motion picture comedy. It was the opening credit song for Step Brothers, the Will Ferrell John C. Riley powerhouse. <laughs> I hate you so much.
1: <laughs> now I'm playing Moby Dick for real. <laughs> him it now i'm gonna have that in my head all night <laughs> so that was the first
0: time that vampire weekend had ever said yes to a song in a movie and they had that very famous uh, daily show segment with
1: um the black keys about being in every commercial ever i'm sorry that was uh, i must correct you my friend that was colbert rapport that's uh, right <laughs> that's right i see you with your honda commercial and raise you with toyota uh yes, yes. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was just outstanding how both bands uh, how both bands leaned into the fact that uh, they've had so many songs in commercials.
0: Mm. So this song is also interesting for them because they have a habit of playing it live three times in a row. Uh, 2018's Lollapalooza, they opened their set with it three times. Um, and then when they played the Islington Festival in 2019, um, they kind of told the crowd, yeah, you know, we see all these festival gigs as a warm up for our tour, so you're going to hear this three times.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and, and uh, I think at that point in their career, uh, you know, some sometimes it will. Uh, there's always the band, the song that a uh, band will be known for, and I think that you know there could be three or four with Vampire Weekend, but I think for the people who really got into them uh, at that period, you know that that. 2009 2010 period that uh a track will always be the song for them right uh and so you know i could see them just kind of uh in a certain way there's that to me that's kind of fun that they just lean into it as much as they do
0: yeah and you know speaking of it as kind of an interesting song so you know Vampire weekend is very much known for having a very clean sound pretty much no distortion on their guitars um you know as, as ezra kanig uh said to the daily mail in 2008 around when they were doing the press around their um their debut album you know we had a riff that sounded like a punk song we played it on the high notes to make it sound more interesting and kind of that that sense of a inverting and expectation about like what a punk song should sound like plus their own kind of knowing winks toward graceland era paul simon it kind of all fits in
1: yeah and you know you add that to uh you know, Ezra Koenig's kind of twee uh, lyricism, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> which gives them a bad which after a while gave them a bad rap that they had to clap back against. Uh, right. Being a band that was, they came together at Columbia University, uh, there was this perception that they were uh, a bunch of just preppy, rich, white kids, uh, and uh, the band took. Took offense to that. Uh, yeah, I mean they were all scholarship know. kids. Right. And you know, and just because they use uh, you know, kind of uh erudite turns of phrase doesn't necessarily mean that they are, you know, that they are uh prep that they are prepped through and through.
0: And but, plus there's yeah. also the questions of whether a preppy white kid should really be calling the song quasa quasa. But you know, that's another
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, I will say as, as another side note to this, that, uh, I, were you ever in journalism, uh, Keith? No, uh, closest that
0: I came was a news writing course in grad school.
1: Okay. So as someone who spent nearly 15 years in print and online journalism, uh, I will, uh, I am very much someone who says, who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma? Uh, Because AP style overall. Right.
0: Except for those instances where, like, the man killed his grandmother, a frog, and Waylon Jennings.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, overall, I've gotten in way too many online stats with people about Oxford commas. So
0: yeah, I'm forgetting which review that it came from. I have in my notes here the the note that A punk indeed sounds like a straight A student's idea of punk.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and there's that you know, and I think that that's what, in a weird way, that's what makes Vampire Weekend uh, so interesting is that they, you know, you mentioned the Graceland era. Paul Simon stuff that, especially the first, you know, the first two and a half albums, mm-hmm. uh, had, you know, a lot of world music influence kind of, uh, kind of almost David Byrne, uh, yeah. you know, influence in the way that they go about it, you know, but they, they took themselves both seriously and not seriously. And that's what always seemed to be, uh, kind of, as I grew to enjoy them, uh, it was what I liked the best.
0: Right. So Kenny himself has said, you know, yeah, he thinks about the song, he thinks about actually his songwriting process as a whole in terms of a concert. And, you know, he said, you know, this was part of an interview. If you have an old song that accomplishes a certain moment, emotion or a moment in the show, you got it. You got it forever. For instance, A-Punk is very different than a lot of our other songs. It goes off loud because like everybody knows it and it's fun, it's up tempo and stuff. I feel is we don't need three other versions of it. When I think of each album and each song, they provide a different feeling for a different or a different moment in the show. And hopefully, it almost feels like longevity in real time. You can play four songs back to back from four different albums and they flow, they each have a different feeling or something. Now, I understand why people like the live music. I didn't understand that, stand that much when I was a younger dude. But that's when you feel like you're building something because all the songs are mixed up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that. You know especially now that they've been together for what 15 almost 15 years yeah uh in one in one form or another that you know the third album or the third album and the fourth album really ventured from uh from kind of the 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 sound that they would built and you can hear that they're you know they're growing as people they're growing as musicians and you still hear them in it um you know obviously there was some a uh, lineup change in there but you also hear you also hear the uh you know they don't leave who they are but that you can see an evolution of the band which you know going to going back to what we talked about with pink where she evolved but always stayed who she was you know or has always stayed who she who she is and uh so you, you know vampire weekend has done a little more changing than you might see from you know early pink to current pink but Uh, but you still hear the essence of who they are.
0: So we mentioned uh, Vampire Weekend playing this song live. I think that flows nicely into where it fits in your montage.
1: Yeah, so uh, this moment will live in my uh, collective, in in, in my brain forever as a moment where uh, I was at Coachella in 2010. And I had to double check because I thought it was 2011, but it was 2010. And if you've ever been to Coachella, uh, the way it is set up is there is main stage on one in one corner of the polo grounds in India. There is a mm-hmm. second main stage, uh, which is kind of catty corner to it. And then there right. are uh, and then there are four tents uh, oh. that, you know, are parallel to each other in order to keep the sound kind of internal. And those those get smaller, smaller bands, smaller bands, smaller bands, and then the techno and how EDM 10. So Vampire Weekend was actually playing uh, the first night. Uh, This was this was the night that Jay-Z headlined. And yeah, so uh, right before them on the second, they were on the second stage. Right before them on the second stage was uh, was the specials. So we oh watched, very cool yeah. So we watched the specials, uh, walked back to our uh, walked back to our car. Had grilled some food, had a lot of beverages, and then came back in uh, just in time to hear the last like eight minutes of DJ Lance Rock from Yo Gabba Gabba play. Okay. In between, in between acts, and I was actually uh, so, at my sister's behest, uh, we went to Vampire Weekend. I I listened to the first album one time, and I actually wanted to go see LCD st- Sound System, who were playing on the main stage at the same, uh, about to start at exactly the same time, and my sister talked me into staying and as we came as they came on stage it was uh the stage was set up very much like a wes anderson uh set uh very very uh symmetrical a large very large chandelier hanging from the top of okay. hanging from the the light the light truss thus invoking the, the debut album yes and uh ezra comes out wearing his oxford and his khakis and, you know, just they just went and they they opened with a track, but only played it once or uh, a track. Uh, he was there that same year, but opened with a punk. Uh, and I was blown away by their by how tight they were. Mm. Uh, they were a live act that they were a lot. Li- they're a live act that lets the music do the talking for them yeah um you know ezra will chit chat a little bit but if you've ever heard him talk he's not he's not loud he's not that kind of guy and so uh they let the music talk for them and i actually by the time we got to the second or third song i completely had I, i had completely tuned out lcd sound system who were just rolling through a set that had like some fantastic like special effects that Intel had worked on for them and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to see. But, uh, that moment vampire weekend won me over and I became an instant huge fan, but more than that, it was also a moment where, uh, and this will sound a little schmaltzy, but that's part of what this is about. When you hear those moments in time that resonate in your life, right, uh, my sister and I uh had a really good relationship when we were young, and we used to when I was in high school, I used to teach her uh about good music um because you know she was very much a new kids on the block and uh you know into that stuff and i but yet at the same time, I was teaching her about the stone roses and about blur okay. and about yeah. And so this was one of the first times that she had ever brought a band to me and I had, you know, and I had just been absolutely on point with what it meant. And so it was kind of this moment that she and I had that it was like really cool between us. And the next couple of years that we went to Coachella together, there was a band that one of the two of us would choose that was like not on the other one's radar that, uh, we were just blown away by like I showed her Florence and the machine the next year and she had no idea who they were Mm. and she showed and she brought hot chip into my life the next year. And so, you know, I, that's, that all started with a punk. So it was really cool.
0: Very cool. So, um, what year was, did you see them? You saw them 2008, 2009, 10, 10. Okay. So that was around the same year that I saw them too. So they were in the, they had. Released contra by that point, mm-hmm. they yeah. were into their second album. I, I had seen them as well uh, at the Roots Picnic, which happens to, yeah, at least those those early years. Um, I think that was the third year of it. Um, never failed to occur on the hottest day in Philadelphia of the spring. <laughs> so, it was like people were there. Were there were a lot of like heat stroke related incidents like people were done and they were the last band and they had to follow not just uh the roots and john legend because they had put out their joint album and it felt like every time that i had seen the roots that year because they had also played the um the really speaking of colbert report and daily show the rally to restore set hope and or fear and or sanity
1: yeah um,
0: and I also remember at that time being annoyed every time I saw the Roots and John Legend ended up playing because I just wanted to see a full-blown Roots set, um, not realizing what I was seeing at the time. Right. <laughs> um, but the Roots had also brought together uh, Woo Masker, which was Raekwon, mm-hmm. Ghostface Killa, and Method Man. So the crowd was completely spent by that and the heat, and it was muggy and starting to drizzle a little bit and Vampire Weekend came out. It was like pitch blackout. Half the crowd had left by then, and they put on a really fun show. Um, the The song that really kind of blew me away from them from that set uh, was M79, which um, mm-hmm. which Ezra had kind of turned into the audience participation number to have everybody do that big like shout in the middle of each mm-hmm. of the chorus,
1: choruses. <clears throat> yeah, I mean and that's the thing they you know you you get them and they seem uh you know i used the word twee earlier and m79
0: is like the most like you said a wes anderson set before that is mm -hmm. if it hasn't been in a wes anderson movie and i'm sure that it has uh
1: it It should be it fucking should be (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah you walk out of the show you know you walk out of the show and you're like I just had a really damn good time, yeah. you know, it, it and you, it, it kind of, sne- it sneaks up on you. And right. I think that's one of the really cool things about it. Uh, I, I've, uh, those roots picnics, I have been to a show. I went to the, uh, I went to the, the, I went to the first made of made in America, uh, festival okay. on, on Ben Franklin Parkway. So I have been through a, a mug, a muggy weekend on, <laughs> A muggy weekend in Center City, Philadelphia. Before, yeah. Uh, So I can only imagine that you were going through when you were there. But you know, just you just I I think that there's a certain amount of uh, there's a certain amount of pretentiousness in in alternative music Mm. uh, that is kind of expected. You know, my my wife is always like, "God, you're such a fucking snob about music." And I'm like, uh, truth, yeah, can yeah. confirm. Um, but yet, you know, Vampire Weekend. Well, I could be totally pretentious about it when it came to the when it came to that live set. When it came, when it comes to seeing them play, you know, hmm. you just you know what? I just had a good time. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, you know, what I I didn't need. You know, it wasn't Van Halen with the giant uh, Van Halen with the giant you know wall of. Uh, wall of amps, or, and there weren't fireworks like later on that night at Coachella with Jay Z. But damn, if I didn't have a good time, and it was one of the things I'll always remember. I mean, you even mentioned they took they took your attention away from a set that had a lot more production mm-hmm. value to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot more. You know, uh, a lot more. You know, uh, it, it, it's almost like they're unass- They're intentionally unassuming uh mm. in how they play they're just going out to play uh, they feel like a bar band playing on a bigger stage right yeah i mean a good bar band a tight bar band. yeah
0: yeah yeah and that they they whatever pretentiousness you mentioned they kind of lean into it yeah like they kind of they kind of recognize you know e- even if they kind of bristle at the um you know rich white kids playing you know, snobby music. They kind of lean into the the tweeness of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they understand they understand how they're seen, and it's like, okay, let's play with that. But then, you know, you look at uh, what they've done since then, or you look at Ezra, and you know, he's uh, I mean, he married Rashida Jones, so he's got points going for him there. So.
0: <laughs> and he's produ- he's producing a uh, an anime series, like it's a whole
1: thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, well, and you know, uh, his, his little uh, his little cameo on not to bring up a track again, but his little uh, cameo on on Duck Soup's Barbara Streisand is the most fun of all of them, so right. <laughs> so, no, I just uh, you know, I sometimes you need to just kind of uh, I say this to my friends who are Star Wars fans. I say sometimes you just got to like get, we need to get over ourselves and just kind of enjoy the music enjoy the time. And that's what I did. And that's what it sounds like you did too.
0: Oh yeah. Everybody. thank you for listening. And as always, may all your montages play to sunlight. Thank you for listening to my life as a montage. I've been Keith Campbell joined by Ian Shaker here. Our intro and interstitial music has been funny animals by Crow It was found on freemusicarchive.org and is being used under Creative Commons. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.